Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Living Through a Pandemic. How is life? My name is Krisha Patel, and although this might be slightly different than usual, I'm a high school junior who decided to start a podcast. Um, just for a little bit more context about me before we jump into the podcast and its contents, I attend a residential STEM academy, and just yesterday it was announced that school, or actually in-person classes for us would be canceled for the rest of the semester and so this is exactly when i decided that i would start this podcast for three main reasons a i have so much free time now honestly what was i supposed to do during this time you know so i think this is something that a lot of people are experiencing right now is because they have a lot more time on their hands and they need to have something to be able to do Also, given that classes are being shifted online, from what we've been told thus far, it's clear that the workload for the rest of the semester will definitely be somewhat lighter compared to what it would have been had we been actually attending classes in person. And so this is something to balance because in the past, I've been able to balance all of my coursework that was a lot heavier than it is right now, plus all my extracurricular engagements, seeing my friends, having that kind of social time like in my schedule as well but now I'm at that point where it's a much lighter workload Um, they're recommending social isolation and so while I can still spend that time on social media obviously I don't have those in-person interactions with my friends anymore um, and a lot of extracurricular things are being canceled so that is really opening up my schedule for something new and so this is why I decided that this would be a really good time Um, to kind of pick on something new because there's only so much cleaning you can do only so much organization I know a lot of people are using a week off or they had planned that if they'd only be home for a week they'd use that week to kind of clean things up get some organization done get their ish together you know Um, so kind of like a spring cleaning vibe but there's only so much of that you can do right like once you have your ish together and you're not making a mess there's only so much you can organize so I've been home for the past week, and so this spring break extension was only announced yesterday, and so for that past week, that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been cleaning, I've been organizing, and I'm at that point where I'm basically done with all of that. And so I don't really have a lot of other things to do in terms of that, so I wanted to try something new, try something cool, and be able to kind of explore my interests, and so... To kind of recap all of that, my first reason is maximizing my time and addressing that boredom. Now, the second big reason is that living through this pandemic is a very different kind of experience that obviously none of us have ever had before, right? And so it's definitely unique and interesting, but as along those lines, it's also unexpected. It's very scary at times because we don't know what we're looking towards. So we have nothing to reference this to, to be able to know how this will turn out. Or we don't even have enough scientifically proven knowledge to be able to as of now make a conclusion about how this will end when it will end right so we have a lot of uncertainties involved and to be very honest kind of to start off from the very journey of me finding out about COVID-19 I had no idea of what's going on right I was kind of late to the game if you will so for starters As we all know, living through this pandemic, COVID-19, or as many people like to call it generally, coronavirus, um, it started off a little later in January 2020, or at least that's when um, a lot of us found out. And so 
I usually am that kind of person that reads the news in the morning or I get that daily CNN news notification update sometime during the day. Um, And as a result, it's usually that I have a vague idea of what's happening in the world, right? So I'm caught up enough where for the past five years, that's all I've been doing. And if something really interests me, I'll open the article, I'll read it, or I'll skim it at the very least. And then after that, it's like, okay, cool. I kind of understood it. That's just my thing. Um, being able to know what's going on in the world. I'm very interested in it, but as a high school student, obviously it's not like I have a lot of time on my hands or free time in my hands when a regular schedule is going through. And so that was just my way of addressing both kind of situations. But now granted, because of this, I'm not always as caught up in the news or global to global events as I should be. And it's where it's I have enough of a knowledge where I can have a solid five-minute conversation with someone without looking like a goof, but then I always have to excuse myself because it's like, oh, my mom's calling, but in honesty, I really don't know how to extend that conversation beyond that without me making false statements, right? And so doing all of this research to kind of formulate this podcast, get a vague sense of, okay, this is the content that I want to be covering and then doing a lot more deeper research about what exactly I'd be covering um, that really required that I understood what was going on and really kind of delved deep into the topic. And so in reality, a lot of the news that I've been seeing has always been very out there for me. I mean, I can probably make this claim on behalf of a lot of people that oftentimes what's shown in the news or what happens in the news isn't necessarily directly applicable to us on a personal level, right? I mean, like, sure, 2020, um, if the president's being elected, then, like, that's bound to affect all of us, and there's nothing you can do about that, right? But at the same time, it's nothing that's affecting you on a very, very personal level. It's something that everyone across the country is facing, um, and it's just a decision that was made on behalf of everyone. Or if something like a natural disaster is happening in Texas, right? Um, A lot of people are being affected, but that's Texas. That's not where I am. So obviously, I can't relate. And so in the past, what, 16 years of my life, I haven't ever been directly affected by the news. And so when this happened... um, it was very different. Coronavirus and 2020 have brought a lot of changes to my life. And it really took me by surprise because, again, nothing in the news has ever affected me. So this podcast is kind of my way of coping with all of the the expression that I kind of want to get out there and also to kind of show what I've been feeling, what I want to be feeling, what I've been seeing um, as a result of coronavirus, and how to kind of sift through the news that's all put out there. And so, obviously, um, it's just one way of documenting this wealth of knowledge that we're being provided, right? And just a little more context then. I'm actually a biology gal. I I always have been. And so my geekiness is peaking at this point. Like this is prime time for someone like me to kind of come out of the shell and express myself. And so I am using this podcast as a way to document this wealth of knowledge, this surplus of feelings, this swamp of emotions, anxiety, worry, whatever it may be, or however you're coping with it. This is my way of documenting all of that because this is such a new experience. And above all, because this is so challenging, difficult, different, and like above all, most importantly, it's new, 
Um, when I'm 70, I want to be able to be that one cool old granny that always has all the grandchildren's wanting to talk to her. Um, just because no matter how old or cool the grandkids are, they want to hear the stories that the granny has. And yes, it's unfortunate, but this will definitely be one of those experiences, right? For sure, we have no clue how this will end, how many people it will affect, when it will end if it'll come back again, how we can address it. But above all, we'll know that it's going to have to end, right? And we will make it out of the situation having learned something new. We've already learned so much new, even though the situation hasn't come to an end. And God forbid, but if something like this were to happen again, obviously we now have a wealth of knowledge that's available to us on how we deal with these situations. The teachers are becoming more equipped with e-learning, for example, with schools canceling, or people are learning how to work effectively at home, which might be just be our future, right? And so we're learning new strategies that we've never had to experience or experiment with and that might actually end up helping us. And so, again, this is my way of documenting that entire journey from start to end to someday go back and know exactly what happened during the year of 2020. Um, and now you see that I've always been kind of a reflective person, right? I've always been into journaling. I've always been into making to-do lists, writing down my th- thoughts, um, getting lost in my own world kind of girl. And so in the last week, I started to realize how every one of my reflections was basically directly related to coronavirus, right? Um, and so I realized this isn't necessarily what my thoughts should be concentrated towards, but it is what has happened at this point. And so it was time to step up things and come up with a more lasting way to store these ideas because I need to focus and exert my energy towards this current situation that we have but I also have other things that I need to keep up with right my academics those are still happening whether it be virtual or in person um, my extracurricular activities and so I needed a way to concentrate all of that information and that energy and that information that I was receiving into a cohesive sort of podcast that I could then reflect um, and kind of accumulate all this information here but then use my diary and my other time to be doing things other things that I should be committed to right And so this was just a way to step up things, make that distinction for me. And even though that was a rather lengthy explanation, essentially the second biggest reason that I decided to do this podcast was to document everything that is going on. And so that kind of sums up the first two of maximizing time and having a reference later on. The third biggest point and the most important one, in my opinion, is that All of the current updates regarding coronavirus have all of us super scared or uncertain because above all, it's unexpected. It's an unexpected situation and it's unexpected territory that we're exploring. It's something that no one ever wanted, obviously, but also never imagined could occur. And so even two weeks ago, no one could have really foreseen all of the events that have since taken place. And even then, everyone's here trying to wrap their minds around it in some way or another. And sure, there's people that aren't completely invested in the idea of, oh, it's happening. But obviously, it's happening. It's real. There's no other option. And so, quite frankly, we have to wrap our minds around the idea that it's real and that's happening because there's no other alternative. There's no denying that it's not happening. 
And so as a student, I find it really interesting to be able to explore something like this because I intend to major in neurology. And so I've always been very interested in the brain and the psychology behind our decision making. And it really fascinates me. So it's insane, in my opinion, that our little mind can do so much to change the perceptions of an entire country. And what I mean by this is that much of the panic that's associated with the coronavirus uh, pandemic right now is actually very much psychologically linked um, and related to the responses that our brains are giving, that we're giving in response to this situation. Using the distinction of fact and opinion is something that's very important to me to provide accurate information that isn't falsified and Using this falsified information right now is really adding to a state of panic. So what I mean by this is right now, obviously, like I mentioned, it's extremely uncertain. No one really knows what's true, what's not. We can't make amazing conclusions that are scientifically driven. But there are some facts that have already been proven that we know for a a fact, really. And so um, using the information that we have that we know and making sure that's validated, but being able to separate that from all of the myths and the opinions that people are spewing out into the world of social media and news is something that we need to be able to do. And so I've done extensive research because I'm interested in this topic, right? And I know a lot of people are interested in it, but there's a point in time when you're going online and you find so much information that you don't even know if it's true or not. Um... And so my goals for this were meant to be that on a personal level, I wanted to connect to all of you about the things that we're experiencing emotionally and to be able to acknowledge that, but also make sure that we aren't combining our emotional reactions and our tendencies to be generalizing situations and coming up with kind of myths um, as facts and being able to differentiate between what we should be believing versus what's actually an opinion. So the goals for this podcast actually then on a personal level are to be able to express what effect the coronavirus is having on specific populations, especially teenagers, because I can speak best on their behalf, right? Uh, As being a teenager, I am going through the situation as are a lot of my friends, a lot of teenagers around the world. And so getting perspectives on situations that we're facing specifically in terms of, oh, college admissions or schooling or education practices and how e-learning is looking or virtual learning, um, the toll that coronavirus is taking on us as students, um, but also our teachers, school administration, school workers, admissions officers, students that are seeking to enroll in different schools or colleges, and even parents of these students, right? And this crisis is affecting a lot of different populations with this kind of education community being one of the biggest ones. And so being a member of that community, I think it's really important that I speak to the effects that it's having and kind of address the situation in terms of that. The focus of this podcast then is to provide regular updates on general effects of coronavirus in terms of the facts. So giving you everyday updates after this episode, which this one's more of an introduction, but going forward, just a five to 10 minute kind of summary of 
okay, this is what's been going on. These are the updates that we've heard from the government level. And then being able to differentiate that from the next big chunk of the podcast episodes, which would be more of the opinion and personal driven aspect where it's us reacting to the facts and how it's affecting us and kind of conveying this. So this will not only help mitigate the spread of false information by clearly addressing certain claims as fact driven versus others being opinion driven, but it'll also ensure that a lot of more relatable topics are brought up in this sense in comparison to what's always being shared on the news, which can actually be very scary at times. So after a rather lengthy explanation again, the third big reason for starting this podcast is to address how something so big and something so international is affecting each and every one of us on an individual level in different ways, especially from the student perspective and the educational community. And also what all of us can be doing to make sure that we're an updated, well-informed, with accurate information, and that we're prepared to tackle whatever's ahead of us. So the three big goals, then maximizing time, documenting the journey, and helping to clarify and share an accurate portrayal of the events that are occurring by presenting personal opinions as well as facts. Now, just to recap a little bit about what coronavirus is before we delve into the social and mental kind of aspects of it, coronaviruses are a family of viruses And this specific coronavirus that everyone's talking about is actually called SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. And this is important to acknowledge because coronaviruses itself is a family. Um, Coronavirus is actually a very generalized term. And the one we're focusing specifically on or that's kind of affecting our world right now stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2. But as one can assume by human nature, because the title's so long of this kind of virus, we've shortened it to just coronavirus, with the disease it's calling being known as, unsurprisingly, coronavirus disease, which we've also shortened to COVID-19 because A, it obviously sounds cooler, and B, it specifies exactly which virus we're talking about without having to kind of share inaccurate information. So that's a big misconception that we're just going to get right off the bat to be able to clarify. So now what is COVID-19? Well, it's a respiratory virus that we think originated in bats and has already been shared. Um, The first few cases of it were in Wuhan, China, but since January 2020, it's spread all over the world and it's truly become a big deal. And why is this? Well, there's three reasons for this. Firstly, it's affecting a lot of people. Secondly, it's killing a lot of people. And thirdly, this is the first time we're seeing an outbreak of this scale, right? Especially in living memory. And so dealing with something like this is becoming very difficult for us. So just to put things into a little more perspective and by comparing the COVID-19 pandemic to other epidemics we've had in the past, we did have the SARS epidemic, which was big in 2003, that was also caused by a coronavirus, but that only affected 8,000 people over an eight-month period and only killed about 800 of them, which is unfortunate, but compared to the statistics of COVID-19, it's much less. In 2012, we also had the MERS outbreak, which was the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, um, and that was also caused by a coronavirus, 
but while that had a high mortality rate of almost 35%, the virus itself only affected 2,500 people, which is significantly less compared to COVID-19, whose stats are basically off the charts, and it's spreading extremely quickly with a high number of undetected cases right now as test results are coming back rather slowly. So clearly, COVID-19 is spreading a lot quicker than past epidemics. But with all that said, it's important to keep in mind that influenza or the flu that affects so many people every year is actually responsible for affecting 40 million people a year, and it kills almost 400,000 people annually around the world. And even then, we're not as affected by it as we are being by COVID-19. And a lot of that is just because of how quickly COVID-19 is spreading and the fact that we are so oblivious to how to scientifically and logistically deal with a condition like this. Now, the realistic chances of someone getting the coronavirus disease, well, kind of depends on multiple factors. And a lot of people have been saying this, but it's actually very true. So the virus itself travels in heavy droplets in the air, and so it can't really travel that far, which is why you won't really catch the disease just by breathing the same air as someone else that does have it. But if they were to cough somewhere and you were to touch a surface on which a droplet of their infected cough landed and then do something as simple as biting your nails or scratching your nose or eating without washing your hands well then that virus is getting transferred to your face and then the lungs and this is basically how the virus is transmitted so a lot of it isn't necessarily airborne transmission but a lot of it does come through the fact that the droplets are spreading and that we're touching them and then basically directing them to where we don't want them to be which is the face um But this is a lot of good news to people because this means that you have to be in relatively close proximity to someone that has the virus to be able to actually get it, which is why if enforced extremely strictly, the self-isolation and quarantining techniques can be super effective. However, this also means that you shouldn't be roaming around carefree as long as you know the people around you aren't coughing because right now there's a lot of individuals that are walking around that might still be carriers of the virus who aren't really showing those symptoms or have super mild symptoms being shown. And in many cases, these symptoms are then being mistaken for those of a cold, which puts you at a much higher risk of getting the disease because now you're walking around in public thinking that there's no one around you that has it, when in reality, someone might have it and they might not even know, um, at least that early kind of in the period of having the disease. And so regardless of whether or not you think the people around you are healthy, it's extremely important to keep in mind where you're traveling or where you're going during this time and making sure that you're staying away from locations or regions that have already been told to have a high density of cases. Now, for the sake of explaining what really goes on when one catches COVID-19, let's assume that I was to get it, even though the chances of it are very low, right, given the stats that we've already shown um, or been able to discuss as a country and as a world. But analyzing what will it do to me and would I survive if I were to have it? 
Well, quite honestly, we don't know all of these answers for sure. But as far as symptoms from prior cases have been shown and analyzed, they are very similar to those of respiratory diseases or viruses like the common cold or the flu. And so a lot of the symptoms that you're going to be seeing if you are to have it include a fever, cough, shortness of breath, muscle, muscle aches, and pain in your joints and things like that. But according to the World Health Organization, thankfully almost 80% of COVID-19 cases will actually be very mild based on their research. But it is true that for one in every six patients, so basically 15% of cases, um, the symptoms will actually include severe breathing difficulties, which may affect survival chances at that point. Really, given at this point, many factors play a role, um, and including age, medical history, your lung functionality, the hospital resources around you, and analysis of trends thus far has shown that mortality rates are much higher for older individuals, but even this can be attributed medically to the fact that the virus takes a serious toll on our bodies if contracted, and so older individuals obviously might not have the immune system that they need to fight back, and this is why a lot of older individuals are having a higher mortality rate with this disease because a lot of their resources are being supplied to resolving conditions that they already have, including heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, other immunodeficiency reasons, and things like that. So people over the age of 80 are particularly vulnerable to the disease. And even then, though, some sources have shown that almost 90% of 80-year-olds could probably survive the virus given their health conditions. Although even then 10% of 80-year-olds dying is a big deal, it still conveys to us that this is something that we still have control over to an extent. Also, this shows that for most healthy individuals, it isn't a major concern and absolutely not something to be panicking about, especially given the developed healthcare systems that we have here in the United States. But it is something that we should be thinking about as calmly as possible, that we're still being objective and still trying our best to kind of resolve the issue and support how we can make the issue something that not that doesn't affect a lot of people. But even all of these circumstances, again, it's not something to be panicking about because, again, panic's never going to help. It never has. It never will. And so a simple recap is that the chances of getting the disease are very different based on where you live. But as of now, relatively young and healthier individuals are very unlikely to die even if the disease is contracted because of how our immune system is responding to the virus. Although everyone should be trying to maintain our understanding of the healthcare system and its maximum serving capacity to make sure that we're putting forth our best efforts to make sure that we keep the need less than that capacity. Now, the idea of how you actually survive it. So is there a cure? Is there a vaccine? The idea with this is that, yes, there's mild symptoms of the disease, and any time that you kind of see yourself feeling those or those around you, it's extremely important to go to a doctor or self-isolate as soon as possible because what's really striking the disease as one of the most pathogenic ones thus far is that it spreads very quickly. And so those that recover or have recovered already fight the disease off by having their body's immune system 
um, deal with any infectious pathogens or foreign bodies of bad things in the lungs. And the body does a pretty good job of fighting it off, but it just takes a little bit of time as people estimate. And for this specific virus, it's about two weeks. And so this is a problem just because the virus affects the lungs. And especially if you're elderly or you already have other medical conditions, this can interrupt your breathing for that duration. And so if you're the kind of person that needs a little more medical attention, this might become a little bit more of a problem because you could get unwell a lot quicker just given the fact that you would be having breathing difficulties before your body has the chance to fight off the virus. But even then, the good news is that circumstances have been proven and shown that if the virus is in your lungs and causing breathing difficulties, there are supportive treatments in hospitals where you can be supported via a mechanical ventilator or an assisted ventilation in intensive care. Um, and the idea is that if our lungs are suffering and aren't really working properly, we can get this machine and a team of doctors and nurses around us to help us breathe, which not only gives our body enough time to fight off the infection naturally before the shortness of breath kills us, but it also makes sure that you're being isolated in that intensive care unit and that you're not spreading it to a lot more people and being able to kind of focus on yourself and your immune system. So there's another big idea with that is also, and this is kind of our best approach as of now until we are able to find some kind of medication, but unfortunately we don't have a cure yet, although we do have a lot of drugs that we do know work against other viruses, and there's a lot of big trials happening around the world that might be indications of something that we can use to cure coronavirus in the future. And so in China, that kind of trialing process has been used on thousands of people with various antiviral drugs that we already know work against some other viruses. And so places like the U.S. and other countries are now just kind of jumping in and starting their own trials because we also think there's a few drugs that have potential. Specifically, there's a drug which is a combination of two anti-HIV drugs, and HIV is a virus that we have medications for that are pretty good, and so we're hoping some of these can work against the coronavirus as well. We also have a drug that they've tried on Ebola patients in 2013 and 2016 in West Africa, and we're hoping that these might have some efficiency against the coronavirus because they've been proven to kind of fight off these kind of viruses in the past before. There's also a drug called chloroquine, which is an anti-malarial agent that a lot of scientists around the world are hopeful will be able to help us because it has potential to be successful against COVID-19 or the specific coronavirus that all of us are being affected by. This would actually be a huge impact on the economy of low-income countries because chloroquine is a very cheap drug and so it can be given to low-income countries without cost being a problem right away and so this not only helps to save patients in developed countries like the United States with our healthcare system being so advanced but also the lower and more developing countries that need that extra assistance. Now 
So we understand that coronavirus is a pretty big deal and this is a lot of it is just because it affects a lot of people and although our chances of getting coronavirus as relatively younger or healthy audience members is lower, there's definitely a sense of responsibility that we have towards the situation. And so, yes, there's no vaccine, but there's preventive measures that are being taken. And after all this, the biggest conclusion is that there's no reason to panic, right? Even if your house was burning down, there's no reason to panic about that because it's never going to do anything. If your house is already being burnt down, at this point, there's nothing you can do other than one, make safety measures for the future, and two, be able to try your best to figure out what you're going to do after the firefighters have, are there and they've put the fire out. So once it's started, there's no going back. So a huge thing with this is just being alert rather than anxious, which is a huge social movement that's ha- been happening recently because being in that state of panic is actually affecting us more negatively than we would have wanted. And in reality, it's not helping in any way. So it's important that we take that step back and reflect on what we've been doing and how we've been reacting to the situation and making sure that we're alert but not anxious. Now, if you're in one of those countries where there has been a lot of confirmed cases but their healthcare system is sufficient enough to cope with something like this or an outbreak of something like this, then I completely understand why you would still be anxious for your elderly members of the family or just loved ones in general. But even then, like I said before, the normal flu influences what 40 million people around the world every year and it's killing 400,000 people and still no one's panicking necessarily right about the flu and there's still diseases like malaria or tb that are killing millions of people every year and again no one's really panicking too much about those so panicking isn't the way forward it's really worth remembering that it's important to be alert but not anxious It's also worth remembering that the whole world is fighting this thing, you know, and putting all of our collective minds together. Hopefully we can come up with something super quickly to figure out what's going on and how we can address this potential crisis and get humanity through it very quickly. But there is a lot that we can be doing in the meantime to protect ourselves against getting the disease. And even if we do have it, being able to prevent the spread of it to other people. Doing simple things like washing your hands or making sure to cough in our elbow it's a really important way to stop the risk of any viruses getting into our hands and then our mouth which is truly one of the best approaches to this situation washing our hands a lot or a little bit more than regularly is something that can help reduce the transmission of the heavy droplets that are containing the virus and then there's also the classic advice when people say don't touch your face or avoid touching your face um which is good advice in general because you don't want that kind of virusy material to be getting all over your skin and to be destroying your basically your immune system, right? And so it's really important that you try to avoid your face as much as possible and to emphasize hand washing. Another big thing is that if you've been in contact with someone who's confirmed to have the disease, there is a chance that you might have it. And so you should follow your country's advice on how you would like to address that situation and making sure to be getting testing done as soon as possible. If you do end up with the virus, then 
self-isolation is probably the best way to go, which would mean that you're avoiding contact with other individuals in your community or as little contact as possible to make sure that you aren't spreading the disease for at least the next two weeks, which is what experts have recommended for a solid quarantine time. Um, going forward, in other countries other than the UN- United States, I think it's a big deal that A lot of countries don't have the same developed healthcare system that we do. And so being able to just Google other countries, if you live in another country other than the U.S., um, I'm sure you'll find something on other legit websites that give you legit advice about what to do in any circumstance. And just having that kind of as a reference or as something that you're checking regularly to make sure that you're updated on your country-specific protocols is very important. Another big misconception that I'd like to address is the idea of getting a face mask, right? Everyone seems to be going on about this whole face mask thing right now where it's like, we need a face mask. But the answer is honestly no. You shouldn't be wearing a face mask for a few reasons. So firstly, the World Health Organization has said that there's a global shortage of face masks. So you know that that's one extra face mask that we want to save for use in the hospitals and healthcare settings where there's actually evidence that the face masks are obviously working and that they're helping prevent doctors and healthcare officials from getting the disease. But there's no evidence for protect of the face mask being able to protect the general public and so as a result it's more important that we allocate those resources to where they're needed most and have been proven to be effective rather than kind of hoarding them ourselves and lastly the idea with face masks is not only is that not having medical benefits but benefits but it's also affecting the public negatively with spreading anxiety and the whole idea of panic And so, again, we want to make sure that we're being alert, but we're not being anxious. And wearing face masks is a way of doing that. Given scientifically that the droplets are so heavy, they won't be going through the air for much longer or much time, which means that they won't really spread through the air anyways. And so it not only instigates fear if you're wearing your face mask, and for some people it makes sense just to be extra safe, but for the general community or general members of our community, which are healthy and young, it doesn't make sense to be using all the face masks. And just to quickly touch on this social media thing before we go and end this episode, because I know it's been a little longer, this is an extremely important time in social media history too, because there's a lot we can do to address the situation in terms of how connected we are. And really something like this happening during 2020 is an indication of how much our world has technologically advanced, because now not only are we able to continue with daily proceedings through just technology, but also that we can use it for better movements. So really emphasizing things like alert, not anxious, or being able to connect with each other and make sure that, yes, we're socially isolated in terms of physical or interactions, but we aren't socially isolated in terms of still communicating with others. And knowing that fine line between isolation, isolation, and being able to still communicate with your friends and your family and your loved ones is really important. And so while there has been all of this panic and this extremely unique yet devastating experience for all of us, there are a lot of different impacts that have already occurred economically, educationally, socially, mentally. And these are just some of the things that we're going to kind of start touching in in the next few episodes. But 
as of now, I think this was a solid recap of what's been going on in the next last few kind of weeks and months and what we can be doing best to support the cause starting next episode just so everyone knows a little more about the structure of what this podcast will look like I will try my best to provide a quick five to ten minute summary before we get kind of into the topic of that very specific day and that summary will cover all the updates that occurred in the last day or so regarding coronavirus so something like oh the stock market went down so many points or this mayor just announced that blah 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 right and so we'll go over some of that information in each episode but then we'll also delve right into discussing the association of COVID-19 on different aspects of our day-to-day lives with most most respectably being education and how it's affecting us and the idea that it's okay to think or in some cases even if you think you're being selfish be sad about what's happening like a lot of people are also acknowledging the idea that This is something that the whole world's going through. There's a lot more people that are suffering. And even then, I'd like to iterate the idea that it's okay to be sad because something of yours isn't working out the way you want it to. And quite frankly, that's not called being selfish during this time period. And it's a time when we all need to support each other and kind of lift each other rather than thinking that, oh, someone's being selfish because they aren't thinking about the overall good. And so with that, I would like to end today's episode. I will continuously try my best to keep everyone updated with information from official resources like the World Health Organization and the CDC website and other research papers that have already been published. But again, thank you so much for listening and I hope you're interested in what we will be discussing. I can't wait to have you back on our next episode and... I hope everyone stays healthy and safe. Thank you.